now with ai we are able to do even more right and and uh, which means you know i can very quickly extract knowledge out i can forward engineer i can uh, analyze the data i can help them do migration so this in a way will help accelerate the modernization project Uh, but then the footprint of a lot of these applications is very high so it will take several years i don't think it will happen in 6 months or a year or so so it will take at least few years uh, for us to modernize these large uh, legacy applications because some of them could be having as much as 100 million lines of code hi wherever you're listening to this i hope you're doing well welcome to tech conversations where we bring you insights from tech entrepreneurs, CXOs and investors. I'm Hari Arakli and in this episode, Rafi Tarafdar, Chief Technology Officer at Infosys, talks about what generative AI might mean for the future of the IT services industry. Rafi, who's also a senior vice president and the head of the Strategic Technology Group at Infosys, explains how becoming an AI-first company back to back with adapting to the cloud first transformation in the industry is changing the organization from within even as it helps customers implement and benefit from generative ai applications in the industry of course your work is very well known rafi uh, you've written books uh, technical ones as well um for more general audience uh, you could give us a a quick snapshot of your work and I, this is your 20th year with infosys is it yeah okay um and so it was interesting for me to read about um in your bio how you had sort of three or you divided it into three phases okay. um and you're now in the third phase which involves a lot more of sort of big picture strategy and you also from a tech perspective you run the strategy strategic technology, technology group, group within yeah. infosys um so yeah so give us a a quick overview of that and we'll go from there sure sure so you know with infosys now more than 19 years so i think around 20th year is what uh, you could say right and uh, in my current role i have four broad focus areas uh, the first is Uh, the tech strategy for the company what are some of the technology big bets that we as a company invest and focus on uh, second is on a lot of strategic programs that we run for our clients so in some of the programs i provide an oversight role um, third for us is uh, in building a lot of uh, ip platforms assets and and also we have a philosophy that everything we tell our clients Uh, we need to do it to ourselves so in in that way you know we've been applying to ourselves the digital transformation mm. cloud data and now ai um and fourth is to increase the tech talent density within the company right because our clients are now becoming technology companies so we need a very different uh, technology skill set and and capabilities and and that's what uh, i focus on and uh, like you said you know it's been a good journey over the three phases so uh, it, it's been interesting and exciting and good okay so today we are also of course meeting in the context of um, this whole accelerated sort of uh, uh, adoption 
uh, of uh, at least some parts of AI, uh, in, in particular generative AI. Um, and I understand that uh, recently you've also uh, come out with a report. Uh, you've spoken about uh, like the top imperatives in AI uh, for your customers and yeah. enterprises in general. Um, so let's get into that a bit. Uh, give us a sense of what you were looking to find out uh, when you all started doing this survey. And uh, maybe you can walk us through some of the most important findings. Sure, sure. So there are, uh, you know, one, if you look at it in the last two years, we've been working on transforming Infosys to become AI first. Mm. And uh, as part of it, we said we will reimagine the way we deliver work to our clients, which means how do we embed AI into all our services, all our offerings and the work we do for them. Uh, second is how do we embed AI into our workspace, uh, which could be, you know, can I use AI for energy generation prediction, for energy management, water management and, and autonomous tech and all. And third is, can we also transform our workforce uh, to become AI first? And for this, we are running a program to make everybody at Infosys AI aware uh, and then AI builders masters. So a lot of learnings came out from our own journey uh, to become AI first. And in parallel, along with our uh, Infosys Knowledge Institute, uh, we did a sort of surveys on generative AI. And we did it across three regions. We did it for US, we did it for Europe, and then for Asia Pacific. Now, what I'll do is I'll summarize what we're finding from our journey, what we're finding from our clients, uh, so that you get a sense on both the sides. And the interesting thing is uh, there is a lot of commonality. First is, uh, see, today, if you look at it, there is a lot of uh, talk about bigger models, better models. Everybody is creating billion param, uh, parameters mm. and all that. And what and, and if you look at it now, every week there is a newer or better model that is coming up, right? So these could be in text, these could be in speech, they could be in video, images or, or others. And now we are finding multimodal which are coming together. So one of the first learning we had is these models are perishable in the sense, you know, the models will keep changing and you will keep finding better models. But if you look at it in a business context, uh, what is important is the organizational data and knowledge. So I should be able to use the best fit model, but be able to tune it with my organizational data and knowledge, because only then I will be able to drive higher value. Right. And, and that was, you know, one of the first learnings, which is why if you look at it, we said, will not build pre-trained model grounds up uh, because there are enough models out there. But what we will do is we'll still create fine-tuned models which are very specialized and these, these are almost like our IP which are being tuned for specific purposes and tasks. Uh, so if I take a simple example, I have one specialized uh, model that has been fully trained on one of the existing finical code, right? And uh, what it can do is it can generate code which follows the style and semantics of finical. Now the effectiveness of this is almost 80%. The code acceptance rate is 55%, which means, you know, we are finding a lot of value. The second uh, learning, if I may, is that, uh, you know, we are finding there is a lot of talk on hallucinations. Everybody keeps talking about these models are hallucinating and all that. And what we realized is a lot of data that is ingested into these models themselves have a lot of hallucinations. 
right? Because uh, you know, if you ask the same question to ten different individuals, uh, very rarely would you get the exact same answer, unless it's a fact that everybody knows, right? Uh, so we said hallucinations are actually features of these large language models. These are not bugs, but there are techniques that can be used to minimize it. Uh, so the focus has to be on how do I minimize hallucination so that the value from these models uh, to serve the knowledge tasks or any other tasks are done in a much more effective manner. Right? Now, the third thing what we realized is while there is a race for generalized models, we found that for enterprise context, specialized models are of higher value. Because see, in enterprise context, you have a limited uh, business environment, you have a fixed set of processes, you have an organizational knowledge. So what we have done is we have built a narrow transformer approach, which essentially is used to take an open source model as a base and then use the organizational data and knowledge to very quickly fine tune it for their specific purpose, right? And in this case, what we have found is I can do this in about one to four weeks and I can do it at a fraction of a cost. So, you know, it becomes very, very useful, right? So I'll take an example with one of our clients for wealth advisors. They had about 100,000 different products across different documents. Now, if a wealth advisor has to recommend the best product to a customer, you can imagine they can't really remember everything which is there in those 100,000 documents. Now, you know, we were able to very quickly bring a lot of this knowledge and make it available to the wealth advisor in a way that they could provide very specialized advice based on the need of the customer, right? And this reduced the time they spend. This also increased the customer experience. Same thing we are finding in uh, ratings, for example, right? So when mortgage loans have to be rated every year, you could actually crunch the time that it takes to review and rate, right? So specialized models is what we are finding value. I'll now talk about two hindrances that we are finding, right? So one, and, and this came in almost all the surveys we did with our customers is data readiness for AI is a big challenge uh, because a lot of them are concerned that today do they have high quality data or usable data that can be used to train the models because if it is garbage in, you get garbage out, right? And, and there is a lot more focus on saying how do we solve this problem. So what we have done at Infosys is we have created a responsible data management framework uh, which can be used to prepare data and knowledge uh, for these organizations. The next hindrance we have found is, if you look at it, you know, every country today is almost racing to create an AI regulation. Uh, and, and there is, uh, you know, EU has come up with this EU AI Act. Uh, in US, you have the executive order from Biden. Every state has their own thing. So every country is building their own AI Act. Uh, so they are also uh, concerned that how do we build AI in a responsible manner so that they are not only compliant but they can also ensure uh, that they can uh, do it in a safe way, in an ethical way, with fairness, with inclusivity and all that. And again here for this we created an approach we called responsible by design so that it is not an afterthought, right? And, and for this, at Infosys itself, we had to go through a lot of changes uh, because, you know, we had to strengthen our own practices to be responsible by design. So hopefully, you know, I'm not covering all 10, but this gives you a sense of few distinctive opportunities and few mm -hmm. of the hindrances. 
can you briefly explain what narrow transformer means? And uh, the question I had was, uh, if you can pull all these different points together and give us a sense of what that means in terms of uh, Infosys's AI strategy or rather generative okay. AI strategy. Yeah. Okay, sure. So, uh, see, narrow transformer, if you look at the entire large language models has been driven based on a paper that was published, right? Attention is all you need and the architecture that the models use is called transformer architecture. So, if you look at most of the generalized models, they are trained on a significant amount of data already, right? Which means they are pre-trained with a lot of knowledge, pre-trained for coding tasks, a lot of these. So, the idea with narrow transformer is to say, can I build on the knowledge that is already built within these models and make it specific to a certain task. Now this task could be that, you know, uh, it could be a coding task, it could be a testing task, it could be a knowledge task, it could be a process or operations task, right? So the idea is, can I use a fraction of data from my existing repository based on the purpose for which I want to do it, I want to apply this and then train the model. Uh, with this data and make sure that it is more effective for a task. So take a sim I'll take the example I talked about Finical earlier. So if you look at Finical code, a lot of it for example is written in, some of it is written in C++. Now what we said is we took about 5 million lines of code uh, and then we use that for training one of the existing open source models. Now, with this fine-tuning, we were able to embed the knowledge of Finical application into the model, right? So, we have in a way made it more specialized and narrower in focus. Now, when we use this for activities like code completion, code extension within Finical, because it understands the Finical code, it is able to generate code, uh, which is a lot more specific to Finical, right? So, I have taken a general model, code model, made it very specialized for Finical, and that is what I'm using. So that's what we mean in a way by the narrow transformer uh, approach, which is this whole approach of using organization data knowledge to fine-tune general models, which are open source in nature, and make them very specialized and specific for a task or an operation. Yeah. Mm. Now, the other question you asked is about this whole, uh, what does all of this mean for Infosys right. and all so that? How stuff, does that right? come together yeah, as together. an Infosys Correct. AI strategy? So, from an Infosys AI strategy, uh, you know, one thing we said is we will use this to reimagine a work, workplace and workforce. But then we have three broad objectives. Uh, first objective for us is AI has the potential to displace as well as amplify, but we said we'll use AI to amplify the human potential. And, and if you look at it, it also ties with our purpose as a company. The second objective we said is we will use AI to unlock the value uh, and I'll come to each of these. And the third is to create uh, exponential impact. So let me come to the first goal. The first goal is, you know, is amplifying human potential. For this, what we have done is we have created AI assistants based on personas. And what we are doing is we are making these AI assistants available to all our employees. Now this again uses a combination of what is available out there, which means a, a commercial offering from any of our partners or customers, as well as custom built uh, AI solutions that we have built internally based on the fine-tuned models. So for developers, what we have done is we have given them a code assistant 
that they can use in order to drive productivity in their engineering efforts which could be for coding testing uh, you know translating documenting the code refactoring the code and all that then we have provided a personalized learning assistant to everyone uh, and and the goal of the personalized learning assistant is to help uh, identify the learning opportunities and to also act as a personal coach the third thing we did is for uh, our sales people and client facing people we have created a, a sales assistant that brings all the collective knowledge of infosys and makes them available so for example if i have to find you know uh, which is the largest cloud transformation program we have done at infosys so it can bring all that information and make it available to them then we are building similar assistants for our operations team we are building it for uh, our leaders and all that so today we have got about 35000 uh, users who are using one or more of these ai assistants uh, in production right so the goal is eventually to have a lot of these available to all the different users across functions now the second objective i said is unlock value Uh, unlocking values if you look at it over the last four decades we have built a lot of expertise and knowledge about the different industries about different businesses about different it landscapes and we have actually curated a lot of that knowledge so what we are now doing is we have created a digital brain which makes all of this information available uh, to our employees uh, to perform whatever tasks that they are doing Uh, with with lot of speed so the idea is to make them less busy and more productive so that they can spend more time focusing on the value for our customers right the second thing is we also because this is very integral to us we have automated the entire ai development process development testing rollout process and for this we have built our own platform we call it as an applied ai platform that drives the velocity and automation uh, that is required to do this and then the third is we are building a number of specialized models uh, which are very specific to uh, either a horizontal task or an industry specific task right which we are then uh, using it in internal purpose as well as external the third objective i said is exponential impact and for this we are doing two things one is now how do we use all of these in every single client project that we are doing for our customers see because today ai is no longer an aspirational thing right almost every one of our customer is saying how are you going to bring it into my operations how will you bring it in transformation how will you bring it in innovation so for that we have done two things one we have evolved our digital operating model uh, to become more uh, to embed the elements of ai into it right which means how do you design experience for ai first how do you engineer ai first products how do you uh, have the right uh, insights and analytics that are required to make the processes meaningful and all that the second is the talent uh, that is required for all of these which is where we are doing this transformation as ai aware ai builder and ai master now collectively all of these come together in the form of a branded offering that we have launched to our customers called topaz so if you look at topaz topaz has these knowledge assets which is all the playbooks from our experience it has these ip platforms that we have built as well as a partner ones 
The third is that we have now partnered with a lot of uh, AI-first companies as well as with the leading hyperscalers in order to you know, bring more AI capabilities into our offering and the talent. So all these four is what now comes together for our clients through Topaz and, and that's how we are driving the AI-first transformation journey for our clients. Uh, is there a simple way to illustrate when you said by providing uh, employees um, an AI assistant uh, of, of their own based on uh, individual personas, you want to free them up to be more creative, more productive, yeah. uh, automate the mundane work. Can you give us an example of in practice, sure. how does that work? Yeah. So see what earlier used to happen is let's say if a sales guy goes and meets our client and uh, you know the client says okay look I want to uh, understand what work have you done for example in ERP consolidation. Can you tell me you know what is the approach what is the right uh, strategy for consolidating ERP. Mm. Now the our sales colleague would then have to go and find uh, reach out to our experts. Uh, and then they have to talk to multiple people to get the information and then pull all of it together and then uh, give it to clients. Now this is a time consuming process because you operate across time zones, uh, the experts could be in different places and then you need to bring all of this together. Now with this knowledge assistant, so let's say if I have to frame a simple document, what we have done is we have created an extension right within uh, let's Microsoft Word and, and this is our Navi sales assistant and in a Navi sales assistant I could go and say okay look I am looking for uh, information on ERP consolidation it will bring me the information uh, it can also tell you who the experts are uh, it can give you the case studies which and then you know at the click of a button saying insert it all gets embedded into the document. Uh, so all our 40 years of knowledge that we had is now accessible at the fingertips for a sales uh, colleague who could very quickly find the information. Then they could say okay let me take this to the client very quickly. So the turnaround time now is very very short. Uh, you know so even I could if, if I become very clever at using it while I am doing a discussion with client I can actually look up the information and then start sharing it. Mm. The other example I'll give is in learning for example, right? See in learning what happens is you know you can learn only so much by studying because a lot of time then you have to yeah. practice and then you need to work with experts. So in our learning platform Lex, uh, if today I can go and try and learn it will give me the information the way you would get in a chat GPT but it will also tell you what are the learning paths, it will tell you who are the experts in this field that you can reach out to mm. and what we then do is we create these small cohorts uh, where you can collaborate with these experts and very quickly learn. Now all of these in a company of you know 330,000 people is traditionally difficult right because everybody is geographically distributed. Now everything is simplified through these uh, AI assistants and tools. Mm. How is this changing life? And, and the day one day to the next how is it changing work uh, or the workflow or where people do work uh, for say hardcore techies in the company a senior architect or a, or an advanced uh, programmer or developer. Yeah no I think for the uh, architects or if you take uh, experienced programmers uh, in our experience what we have found is these AI assistants are 
helping them become even more productive mm -hmm. than somebody with lower skill. And, mm -hmm. and uh, because see, a lot of times when these AI assistants generate code or provide information, you need to be able to quickly review, assess whether this is all right and then do corrections and then move forward, right? So what we have found is for somebody who is an expert developer or an expert techie, this can be used to very quickly accelerate their day-to-day uh, -day task, which means if I am working on a client project, so uh, let's say I could be a specialist that is working on upgrading a database. Now I want to find out what are the things that I need to do to upgrade a database. I will get a checklist. I can very quickly review the checklist. I will see what is relevant, not relevant and I can go ahead and execute it. Right. So what we are finding is the productivity improvement is much higher with experienced uh, people mm. uh, with these AI assistants. But on the knowledge working side and, and I think this uh, is where somebody who is a little lower in the rank uh, would find it more useful because they don't have that experience, they don't have the know-how. So a lot of knowledge will help them become more hyper-productive. Mm. Um, you spoke about um, taking all that you have learned uh, at Finical, feeding it into an existing model and then coming out with uh, uh, some new applications. So, can you give us a sense of uh, what kind of applications you've been able to build and you know, the kind of impact they must be beginning to have? Yeah, no, see the finical one was for finical purpose. Sure, sure. Uh, I mean, I just uh, took that yeah. example. So, um, yeah, so the once we figured out the approach that it works here, uh, then what we realized is a lot of our clients also had similar problems. See, a lot of enterprises are today hesitant of sharing their core information which is code or knowledge uh, to a third party so which means you know if the knowledge has to go into a cloud they are concerned about it and what they want to do is they want to keep their information private and secure so what this then means is the approach of creating these fine-tuned models is more relevant for them or techniques like uh, retrieval augmentation which is used to supplement organizational knowledge with cloud models is becoming important. So what we are now able to do is we are very quickly able to use this information and the playbook and the know-how that we have to solve interesting problems. So for example for one of the telcos uh, you know they had an existing application they wanted to create a code assistant very specific to their legacy application. So we were very quickly able to do. There is a bank that is, uh, you know, interested in extracting knowledge out of their existing COBOL code uh, and then they want to use this for transformation. So we are very quickly able to use it. Now the other knowledge assistance that we have done, using this we are able to do interesting things. So for example, with uh, one of the retailers for whom uh, we actually manage the social analytics for them. Uh, what we were able to do is we were able to use Gen AI to quickly do tonality analysis of the customer or consumer feedback and use that in order to drive better con consumer engagement and, and uh, you know, uh, campaigns uh, for them in a way. Uh, similarly, if you look at in marketing area, uh, we were able to use this to create a lot of uh, content for product description on different digital channels. because. You know, that's a very cumbersome process. Then if I'm a global uh, 
you know, if I operate globally, I may have to translate it into 20 different languages. So I'm able to do that much faster. So we are finding that there are almost about uh, nine different business areas uh, where our clients are finding a lot of value in, in applying a lot of these technologies. And these nine areas are, one is customer service, second is contact center and operations, uh, third is in sales and marketing, fourth is business operations, fifth is IT operations, uh, sixth is software engineering, uh, seventh is the entire risk and compliance area, uh, eighth is in uh, the entire employee experience and, and then learning. So these are some areas where we are finding uh, you know, a lot of uh, use cases of Gen AI. Mm. You mentioned telecom example, uh, marketing example, retail companies. Uh, which are some of the verticals where you see the uptake of generative AI and in general enthusiasm and adoption for and of AI um, is strong? amongst your customers? Sure. Now, if you look at it in non-regulated industries, I think the number of use cases that are happening uh, are much higher because obviously, you know, they're not as regulated as a bank or an insurer mm. company or a healthcare company mm. or, or even for that matter, the utilities. So, if you take retail is a great example, manufacturing is an example. Even in financial services, we are finding they're using AI for internal purposes. Uh, with one of the banks today, we have created a GPT for themselves uh, that all their employees today are able to use to drive personal productivity, right? Uh, we are finding this in services company, the consulting companies uh, that are able to use this to improve their auditing processes, for example, or improve their uh, existing consulting services that they offer to clients. Uh, we are finding this useful even in uh, uh, you know, the services company, utilities company, uh, and in automotive as well. Mm. Uh, and can you talk about um, how this is changing uh, IT services itself? I mean, what are some of the things over the last year or so that have surprised you, that have stood out, which gives you a sense of the way in which uh, IT services is delivered or is even done changing? Yeah, no, I think one is uh, today the expectation from our clients is that uh, from every IT services company is that, you know, uh, Gen AI as well as AI has to be embedded into the core offerings itself, mm. which means, you know, they are not looking at it as a separate uh, initiative or a project, but they are saying, okay, if today you are maintaining my applications or you are building something for me, you are doing any transformation. so. One, you need to bring AI in driving more productivity in higher velocity and efficiency in the current set of things. The second thing that they are uh, looking for is how do I use AI to deliver newer business capabilities? For example, can I do forecasting better? Can I do planning better? Can I do predictive maintenance better? Can I uh, do uh, you know sales planning in a much better way? Can I improve my supply chain efficiency? So a lot of core business processes is second area where they're saying a lot of it has to happen. So now to your question of what does it mean for IT services company? I think for us, this has now become like core to our business in a way, right? Because of our clients' expectations. So in everything that we do, this needs to become integral to our ways of working and which is why we see 
this as a general purpose technology and and not really something that is only for a specific team or so we are saying everybody within the it services company would have to become ai aware and they should be able to use the tools which is one part the uh, second part from a services standpoint is what this also means is it will create a lot of new roles uh, and it will see there are three levels of shifts that will happen one mm-hmm. is certain set of tasks will get automated Uh, these could be document centric process roles knowledge centric process roles language centric process roles and and all that will get automated to a certain extent which means uh, you know some of these tasks once they become automated then we need to f- reskill them on different areas second is for some of the existing employees the skill mix will change take for example a functional tester somebody who understands a domain is writing scripts to do functional testing now they need to understand prompt engineering uh, because the functional test cases can be generated uh, through mm. these ai models which means now i need to know how to write better prompts which will help me generate this and how do i test it uh, so th- now in the second category my skill mix is changing i also need to become ai literate i need to know how to use these ai tools and i also need to have these new skills the third we believe as the democratization and scaling of ai will become more and more within organizations uh, now you will also need ai masters uh, somebody who are very specialized like you know how do i create this uh, base pre trained model grounds up how do i do fine tune modeling how do i uh, ensure that the models are not hallucinating or it is very minimized how do i make sure that the inferencing cost is very low and and so and so forth so a set of new roles will be required so there is an element of talent transformation that is required that needs to be done the third element for it services company is the way we deliver projects also now needs to change which is what we did with our uh, you know evolved digital operating model which means in everything i do if i am going to leverage ai then i have to evolve my methods and uh, fourth is you know we also need to now start taking a business centric view which always most of the companies were doing but then it's also about looking at what potential ai can have in reimagining the experience and processes right and again uh, that's a very different skill now what are the learnings from this uh, so one of the key learning is uh, see with ai the cost of running ai today is very high especially with large language models right so uh, you need to be able to create optimized models which are of smaller footprint which can run on less compute and and memory so that uh, you know your run cost is not that high uh, so that's one second is with ai you know unlike the traditional software rollout where everything will work either 100% or zero mm. with ai the efficiency or or the uh, sorry the output increases over a period of time which means when i first roll out it may have let's say 70% accuracy slowly slowly with fine tuning with better uh, you know uh, improvements in in the solution i can improve it to 80 85 90 95 so there is a period where you need to further improve your ai solutions for them to become effective so this again requires a bit of a change management right because the end users also need to understand that today i'm getting only this much 
but tomorrow it will be much better day after it will be even better and maybe six months from now it will be able to do everything that we expect so that is the second shift that also needs to be done to drive higher adoption you know the folks at isg they publish once a week or something this newsletter called what's important in it and uh, in one of the recent editions they spoke about how um, literally every important company is looking at uh, finally uh, modernizing legacy applications which they are only continuing to maintain because of the important data that's residing in you know those legacy applications now because of you know the, the need to move to generative ai and ai is is that an important opportunity to help your clients modernize from existing legacy applications uh, into something where like you said uh, it's built ground up with ai in it so so modernization has always been a important focus for us uh, so you know we have a dedicated modernization offering that we use uh, to help our clients uh, make their legacy applications either supportable maintainable or in some cases move to uh, a new architecture new process new experiences now in my view at least today uh, you know the ai technology is helping me maintain and manage it in a better way now till we are able to reach a point where we are able to quickly enable the migration to a new architecture at at a fraction of a time and cost then only that shift will significantly happen so today we were already doing a lot of it with automation now with ai we are able to do even more right and and uh which means you know i can very quickly extract knowledge out i can forward engineer i can uh, analyze the data i can help them do migration so this in a way will help accelerate the modernization projects uh, but then the footprint of a lot of these applications is very high so it will take several years i don't think it will happen in 6 months or a year or so so it will take at least few years Uh, for us to modernize these large uh, legacy applications because some of them could be having as much as 100 million lines of code um, and have you seen any significant impact of ai and more specifically generative ai on the transition to the cloud model yes yeah, see with uh, generative ai i would say the impact is at two or three different levels uh, one is obviously with the cloud transformation journey that was already going on uh, we are looking at how do we make the uh, some of the self service capabilities enabled quickly through gen ai which means for example you know earlier you would go through uh, a tool uh, or a self service catalog or a tool in order to provision anything and all that stuff and now we are saying you know can you just like we converse uh, can i say okay provision a new vm for me here and it automatically goes and does that right so we are looking at one bringing gen ai to enable self service capabilities on hybrid cloud second is for some of the scripts that are used uh, to operationalize the workloads on cloud uh, we are looking at using gen ai to automate the generation of those scripts Uh, which are required to do it and third obviously is you have to test them uh, which is the other area where we are looking at it so in a way one part of it is that migration to cloud where most of your workloads have to move uh, we are looking at using gen ai to drive that the second is now every company also needs to have the gpu infrastructure uh, 
बिकॉज यू नो दे आर ऑल्सो एक्सपेरिमेंटिंग विथ ए आई नाउ दे ऑल्सो नीड दिस इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर विच मीन्स नाउ आई नीड टू ऑलमोस्ट क्रिएट लाइक एन ए आई स्टैक इन एवरी क्लाउड इंफ्रास्ट्रक्चर now this ai stack in itself one could be using what is available like an open ai uh, apis or from google uh, amazon and azure or it could be from third party the second is to build this native stack using likes of nvidia or even for uh, you know with amd and intel for certain workloads so this becomes the second consideration which means how do you create this ai infrastructure the third then becomes the tooling that is required to operationalize ai development on cloud and the controls that are required to be put in place to do it right so which is what is happening uh, so in short this will accelerate the cloud transformation but it will also build new capabilities so just give us a sense of at the high level what are the challenges and maybe one or two uh, sort of maybe implementation uh, challenges or actually using it uh being able to uh, ensure that it's reliable and things like that what are the challenges sure so i think uh, one big challenge is the data readiness itself for ai right because even before i build my ai solution i have to train it with my data so one making sure that the data and now see earlier data everybody had invested in but now you have to bring a lot of user generated content which could be documents it could be audios it could be videos it could be press releases marketing content and all that so how do you bring all of that together uh, in a way that you know you can then use it uh, to train the models or to fine tune that process is not there in in lot of organizations so first you need to build the foundation that is required in order to manage all of this data one from a uh, you know normalization and bringing all of it together second is from consumption and third is from democratizing tomorrow to make it available to the ai builders within the company so that is the first step uh, which is uh, uh, a challenge the second is responsible ai which you already talked about the third challenge is the talent availability as well Uh, because see if you look at the pace at which the ai explosion has happened in the last one year a lot of developments have happened in a very short span of time now expertise on these large language models is also limited uh, so everybody doesn't have experts in this space so having the right talent and right expertise who understand what works what doesn't work is the bigger problem as well uh, which is where a lot of our clients are looking at co innovation model right where they can work with somebody and create the fourth challenge in a way is to create right business cases or ai use cases that will have an impact on top line or bottom line because eventually you know the leader of the organization a ceo or the board is looking and saying how will this impact my top line or bottom line and that cannot happen by taking a use case based approach if i just say okay let me take this 10 use cases i will do it will not make a difference so what we are finding is building the right value uh, based use cases using strategic value chain analysis so we are saying look at an end to end process look at all the areas that ai could have an impact then the compounding effect of it is what can have a higher business impact or value and building that business case uh, that becomes an important element the fifth uh, in a way hind i wouldn't say hindrance but something to think about is how do you scale this 
See, because uh, in in most enterprises, if I've got 300,000 users who are going to use any of these AI services globally, then you have to make sure that the AI models can scale. They can support so much of workload. They can support so much of throughput. Now, if you are using a cloud-based provider, then the cloud-based provider will take care. But you still need to make sure that there is enough capacity and infrastructure. But if you're deploying internally, then you have to do a lot of groundwork uh, that is required to make it happen. So that again is important. Otherwise, the scaling will become a problem and it will lead to poor user experience and, and the adoption will go down is what we've seen. How has your own life changed over the last couple of years? I mean, life as CTO and boss of a strategic technology group. What are you very excited about and, and what are your, what keeps you up at night? No, I think the life, I think given the pace at which the technology has changed, the life has become very hectic. <laughs> Let me put it this way. Because, uh, you know, we are trying to do this at two levels, right? One, we are trying to do this change at emphasis and then we are also trying to apply it to our customers. So five years back, we started with this whole uh, initiative to make Infosys digital first, cloud first and data first. Now we are doing AI first. So I think uh, life has been very busy, very hectic, but it is also uh, exciting to see how a lot of this technology is making a difference uh, at our clients. Uh, and, uh, you know, it is helping them either transform their business or accomplish uh, the goals that they have. So in, in, in that way, I think it's almost like you're on a treadmill uh, constantly and, and you're running. So which is, uh, which is with the way it is today. Now, what keeps at night, what keeps me at night, I think uh, I wouldn't say anything specific, but there are two, three things that I worry about. Uh, one is to make sure that everything is being done in a responsible by design manner, which means a lot of it is not an afterthought. Mm. And we are thinking about these things upfront and making sure that these are being done right. Uh, second is, this is also a significant change. So ensuring that, you know, uh, everybody is able to embrace the change uh, and, and imbibe into their ways of working uh, would, would be the key thing. Because if that doesn't happen, then everything else in a way uh, will not work out successfully. That's it for this conversation. I hope you found it interesting. You can find all our podcasts at ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast app. I'm Hari Thank you for listening.